Well, hey again, everyone. Welcome back to Between the Shadows. This is Kristen. This is Kara. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming back for episode 15. And tonight, we would like to start this off. There's just a one thing we would like to address before we get back into the story. So on Facebook, we were kind of seeing some comments about the podcast and the question of uh, Victoria Winter's parentage came up. So we would like to just roll back just a little bit and talk about that real quick. Mm-hmm. So in our episode where we talked about Victoria Winter's parentage, we talked about what we learned from the story Bible Shadows on the Wall that Paul Stoddard was originally going to be her father. However, we have come across some new information that I had never read before, that I had never heard before, and it kind of puts my fandom for Dark Shadows to shame a little bit. (laughs) But Mr. David Cooper, who of course runs the official Dark Shadows fan group on Facebook, sent us a message, kind of gave us some insight about where the writers were trying to go with that before they just nixed it completely. From his post, from his message, he told us that Victoria Winters, her father wasn't meant to be Paul like it was in the original story Bible, Shadows Mm -hmm. on the Wall. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have had many theories about this. It could have been Bill. She could have been Roger's daughter. Yeah. But it turns out, and we talked briefly about this, about Elizabeth Stoddard and Ned Calder, who used to work for her, used to be her business manager. Mm -hmm. And we learned that they had an affair before she and Paul were married, before she even met Paul. And the butler, B. Hanscom, that used to work for them, and Betty Hanscom, it was just, it was a diversion. It was a red herring and like a deliberate stalling tactic that was, um, that often was done on soap operas Mm -hmm. to draw out the mystery. You know, we know that Betty died before Vicky was born is what Sam told Vicky, Sam Evans. And Vicky is about two years older than Carolyn. Yeah. And, and that kind of places her at the time when Elizabeth was in a relationship with the off-screen character, Ned. Ned Calder, yep. Who, you know, who we know that they kind of had a relationship and Ned Calder asked Elizabeth to marry him and she said no. Yeah. And that's when he started, that's when he stopped working for her. Yeah. And she wasn't ready for marriage at the time and... Like we said, this is before she met Paul. Right. And the writers also dropped all the hinting they did about the unrequited love triangle. So none of this was ever official because it never got resolved because they chose to do the supernatural thing instead. So we never did get the the end of that. Yeah, um, they still left it kind of cold turkey. They did. and Technically, you know, nobody can really be wrong here because, you know... They left. They kind of left it open ended and unresolved. So right. no answer is technically really a wrong answer, I guess. No because theory, we no never theory. got the end. Yeah, no theory is technically the wrong one. You know, that's why it's a theory. Right. But now yeah. this this video on YouTube of Joan, uh, an interview later on, like twenty years down the road with Joan Bennett, and she comes out and says, "Here's my secret. Here's my gift, to all you dark shadows." Friend yep. Victoria Winters is actually my daughter, and I that, am her it, mother. Yes, it, it, I really got confused by that. I'm like, but this is what the story Bible says. Well, now we know. Yeah. Now we know because the writers was it was intended for. Vicki Winter's parents to be Ned Calder and Elizabeth Collins Stoddard. And it made my heart jump for joy because I wanted Vicki to be a long lost Collins. Right, so. <laughs> right. So we just wanted to address that tonight because that that just came to to us this week. And I, I wanted to bring it up to you guys because I feel like it was very important to touch on that. Definitely. And, and we, we thank you for reaching out and letting us know that other theory that was out there. Um, yes. 
because that definitely cleared up some things for us as well in our discussions. Right. So, absolutely. So, we, we appreciate you, David. Thank you so much for letting us know. We, I, I had no idea. And like I said, it kind of puts my love for Dark Shadows to, fa- to, to shame here. And so, that, that was all we wanted to address for now. And we just want to say thank you to Miss Samantha, who posted on mm-hmm. um, our Dark Shadows Appreciation Society group. The, it's a group that we're, uh, the podcast is a part of. And there's many Dark Shadows fans in that group. I love that group so much. So, Samantha, thank you for posting about the podcast and getting this ball rolling. <laughs> right, initially bringing it to our attention. Yes, thank so you very thank much. you so much, Dark Shadows fans. This is what this is all about. Yeah. We, we love talking about it. We love bringing it up. And we just want to say thank you, fans, so very much. We thank appreciate you. you. So tonight, we just want to kind of continue the story. Last week, we talked about Sarah Collins and her effect on the town and her effect on the family and her effect on Barnabas. I mean, Barnabas has been... He's been close to getting going crazy because Sarah won't show himself to her. And right. And every <laughs> time he sees somebody, he's they're telling him that they've I seen Sarah. Sarah. Like, right. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> right. And he's every time he's, he hears that someone has seen Sarah and he hasn't, he just it makes his heart break a little more and it and it it, it intensifies his desire to find Sarah and see Sarah. And it yeah. just so that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. So the last part that we left off on was Willie went to Maggie's to warn her right yeah um, that she was in danger and there's many police officers around Maggie's house and he ends up getting shot five times in the back Mm -hmm. and he was rushed off to the hospital to get emergency surgery and he survived the surgery Dr. Woodard said that he was up until 6 a.m. getting these bullets out of his back and Willie's in a coma now and everyone, everyone in town, everyone who was involved is just, they don't believe it. It's like, it, it, Willie, it, I can't believe it, you yeah. know? He seems so mild-mannered, and everybody's like, yeah, but we remember how he was when he first got here. You know, right. he was the troublemaker, and, you know, he was always trying to push push himself on people. And, and push up on the women. Push up on the women and square up with the guys no matter what happened. I mean, that first scene, right. we see this guy accidentally bumps into him, and Willie's ready to... to punch his face off you know (laughs) so so that's the type of man that Willie was when he came when Barnabas got a hold of him that's when things changed with Willie yeah and so now everybody just seemed to forget you know how Willie used to be but so everybody just they're like wow I can't believe it was Willie but they were all quick to be in agreement all together that it was Willie that who did it yeah and and the the only one who said I can't believe it was Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she says I can fully believe that Willie was capable of doing it. She says anyone who's friends with Jason McGuire is capable of anything. Yeah, like not you know Barnabas changed his personality, but the real Willie was always underneath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically, in so many words, Barnabas helps set up Willie for the kidnapping. You know, yeah, because yeah. he he takes Maggie's ring. I don't think we talked about this, but Maggie tried to pass off her ring to one of the guys so that right. maybe her dad would get a clue. While Barnabas still has the ring, mm-hmm. and he puts it under a candlestick in Willie's room. Yeah, and when the sheriff comes in to search Willie's room at the old house, Barnabas makes sure you know by any means that they find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they question Willie afterwards, they find out that his mind is snapped. He's waking up. He's woken up from the coma now. Yeah, and. He doesn't really recognize anybody. Yeah. The only thing he can get out is, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Is it nighttime? Is it dark outside? Yeah. It's like, please don't let it be dark outside and don't hurt me. And, mm-hmm. and this is all he can say. Well, they show him the ring 
And he was like, that's my ring. And, well, where'd you get it? And Maggie Evans in the ring. Maggie Evans in the ring. And that, you know, that's all that they mm-hmm. can say. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. And he just doesn't know anything that's happened. And it just seems like he's blacked out and blocked out everything that's happened to him and all of the trauma and yeah. getting shot in the back five times. All he knows is that he's in a in terrible pain and yeah. is it dark outside don't hurt me that's that's basically all we get from Willie yeah so they end up shipping shipping him to Wincliffe yeah and best place for him yeah and this oh my gosh this scene this this whole part of dark shadows up until they go into the past to 1795 it was so incredibly frustrating for me because we all know and love Barnabas Collins we do I'm no different I, I, I love him. He's one of my favorites. and But I really felt like Barnabas was so selfish and so manipulative during this time. Mm-hmm. This is where we get to see Barnabas Collins, the vampire. Yeah. I, I just, you know, up until this time, you know, oh, he's a reluctant vampire. and But this part right here, this is where we really get to see his... Yeah technically evil side Mm -hmm. and he's only out for himself and he's only interested in protecting his interests and making sure he doesn't get caught at any cost no matter what it takes right and when he was concerned that willie loomis was going to wake up and blow his whole scheme and tell the truth and tell everyone that he was the one who kidnapped maggie evans it's like he forgot that willie is the one who's been protecting him all this time Mm -hmm. and it's willie who fixed up his house and gave up everything to live with him and turn people away when they came to the old house and barnabas is just ready to just get rid of him just dispose of him Mm -hmm. he needs to die so that he doesn't give away my secret Mm -hmm. and that just ooh, it, it, it just it bugged me it bugs it bugs <laughs> it bugs <laughs> and it, it just it really irritated me that barnabas could be so selfish and it just seemed like he didn't even care that willie could or probably would die he'd much rather he just die so that he can continue being a vampire and being undercover and nobody would find out that he was responsible for maggie i just well and to be fair i mean that is the vampire way i mean yeah there's definitely. no reluctancy there's no remorse Absolutely. there's no feelings there's don't ever say we never got a real vampire at a Barnabas. Absolutely. At one point or another. Absolutely, I agree. Because we surely did. But yeah, of course, I mean, who doesn't love when he starts being reluctant? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't love him? Definitely. And we definitely get that, too. Yeah. You know, and it's just... It's just like, this guy could die, you know, but, but I'm a human. I'm not a vampire, so I have that remorse and, yeah. and regret. And and maybe some of it he can't help, you know, because he's a vampire. I mean, at the end of the day, Barnabas Collins is still a vampire, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what that's the part I have to keep remembering. But right. And speaking of the scary Barnabas, around this time, during this time, David remains still disturbed and scared after being locked in the mausoleum for yeah. that, what, night or two for nights? Sh- Two nights? Two nights, two I think nights. it was. Yeah, I think it was two nights. And every time he sees Barnabas, he's just fearful. And yeah, he, he, he lives in a constant state of fear because of Barnabas. And Barnabas's voice keeps playing over and over in his head what he said to him after he found him in the graveyard. You know, he's like, hello, David. I thought I'd lost you, but now I found you, haven't I? Over and over in his head. Mm-hmm. And what did Sarah say to you? Did he tell? Did she tell you about her family or her brother? What about her brother? And mm-hmm. and David keeps telling him she hasn't told me anything about her family. I've asked, you know, yeah. and but this just keeps playing over and over in his head. And he keeps calling out for Sarah because he feels like Sarah could tell him the truth about what Barnabas is hiding. Right. And at this point, this is kind of what leads up into 1795 they are trying to help david yeah david is very disturbed mm-hmm. and david spends a lot of time locked in his room 
Yeah, don't want to talk to anybody. Of his own and, making, you know? Yeah, yeah, by choice. And and this is obviously very uncharacteristic of, of David. Yes, David's always running off and wants to go outside. They're always sending outside. him to his room, and then when they go find him, he's never there. Right, and this know? time, you know, they go up to his room because that's where he is. That's yeah. of his own of his own volition. Yeah, you know, and all the adults at Collinwood are, you know, they're start, they're getting worried about him, and they talk about maybe sending him away to Boston. And later on, they even plan a trip. Not too much later, but just a little bit down the way, they plan a trip for him and Vicky to take just to get away from Collinwood. Yeah, a little getaway. And Barnabas offers to go up and talk to him, and but Barnabas proceeds to antagonize him and question him to death, yeah. and it just ends up making David more scared of him. Right. And I'm going to say it again, that if Barnabas weren't so hasty to question him and berate him and make him feel intimidated... I feel like Barnabas fanned this fear of him, like fanned the flame. Yeah, of and course. Yeah. I think that, that maybe David wouldn't have been so frightened of him. If he had gone up there and talked to David the way that Barnabas talks to Vicky, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Barnabas is very tender, very sweet with Vicky, but with David, he's like, what did you find out? And Mary, I'm and like, could you, could you be more obvious, Barnabas? Come yeah. on. You know, it's, it's no yeah. wonder he's afraid of you. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just think he approached it all the wrong way, and it, it was only because he was so paranoid, you mm-hmm. know? It, Barnabas is feeling the squeeze from all this, you know? Anybody could give him up at any second, he feels like. But that same night, David ends up having a dream where Sarah appears to him and tells him the story of how she died. And she said that she had gotten very sick and died, and people were very sad. And then she took him into a room with a coffin in it and told him that the coffin wasn't empty and she had come here to find um, the one in the coffin. This is who I came here to find. Yeah. <laughs> Barnabas, of course, was the one who got up out of the coffin in the dream, and he attacked David. Yeah, it's, it's, you can see the shadow on the wall. He's got his cane raised, you know. And, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So after he's woken up, he's kind of figured out now that Sarah is actually a ghost. And all of her appearing and disappearing finally makes sense. Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't find Sarah. She finds me. It totally makes sense. And we have to remember that David's the clairvoyant one. He's the one who sees ghosts. Talks to ghosts, sees to ghosts. Yeah. Sees, yeah. And it's like a light bulb went off, you know, on top of his head when he woke up from the dream. He's like, it all makes sense now. She always appears and disappears. And I I get it now, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. She's a ghost. And and he just keeps saying it over. She's a ghost. And and it it doesn't seem unlikely to him because he's always seeing ghosts he's seen ghosts from the very beginning right you know and but the problem lies in where he tries to tell the adults of course and of course no one believes him who believes in ghosts right exactly right of course vicky is there right to the rescue when he's crying from his dream and and calling out from his dream yeah there's vicky because vicky's always there yeah and vicky told him you're just having a dream and then she didn't leave his room all night she stayed up with this boy all night because Mm -hmm. he was so disturbed Mm -hmm. and she believes that Sarah is a ghost. Yeah. And Burke, of course, the ever-doubting Burke, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't believe him, doesn't believe Vicky. So Vicky does this. It was very clever of her. She challenges him. She's like, well, since you're so good at investigating people, produce this girl. Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong. Prove David wrong. Because mm-hmm. I don't think he's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, you know. Challenge accepted. Yeah. and But it was so clever of her. She wasn't like, well, you know what, Burke, this and this. She was like, okay, Burke, you're so good at investigating people. Find her. Produce this girl. Mm-hmm. If she's not a ghost, find her, you know? Mm-hmm. Sarah tells David that Willie is innocent. She's like, poor Willie. She was just going to to Maggie's house to warn her, you know? But here's, here's the thing that I want to say about Sarah. She gives David and gives people all this information 
but not once will she give up Barnabas. No. She won't say his name. No. And when somebody brings him up to her, she just she shirks it and changes the subject. Mm-hmm. Or says, I just won't tell you. I won't tell you. She won't give up Barnabas. Mm-hmm. David is fixed on the fact that Barnabas is dangerous because Sarah told him to stay away from the old house. She didn't tell him why. She just said, it's dangerous. Stay away from the old house. Yeah. And, but he goes down anyway because it's David. <laughs> yeah. Breaks in and tries to investigate more than once. And he ends up finding Barnabas's coffin, but it's empty. Mm-hmm. And Barnabas is convinced that David is still a threat at this point. And again, Barnabas is being incredibly selfish and he's very nervous and paranoid about people closing in on him and finding out a secret. And he's just ready to kill anybody that gets close. Mm-hmm. And even Willie said it before he went to Maggie is that Barnabas would kill anyone that got too close, even if that person were a family member. And he's definitely, definitely proving that proving that with David. Yeah. You know, I mean, he even told Hoffman, you know, he, he was like, well, if he knows too much, then I'm going to have to take care of him. And she's like, well, what do you mean by that? And we're like, come on, Julia, you know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the one thing that I'll give to Barnabas before he just often kills David for getting too close. Instead of just immediately killing him, he takes the route of making David just look like he's very disturbed. Like he, he instead... Instead of killing him, he just makes it look like David's off his rocker. Right. And possibly crazy and just seeing things that aren't really there and trying to convince Elizabeth and Roger just to send him away. So, okay, Barnabas, so you're not ready just to off a family member, especially a little boy. You're you're ready just to make them look crazy instead. Okay, I'll give it to you. Right. (laughs) I'll give it to you. Right. So they call in the psychiatrist. Um... On Dr. Woodard's recommendations. Mm-hmm. Doctor, of course, it wouldn't be Julia. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because Julia's trying to keep him safe. She's <laughs> And she's there as a family historian. They don't know she's a doctor. Right. So, well, she already lost her, <laughs> her job with Woodard and Maggie. Yeah. They call in this Dr. Fisher. And Dr. Fisher is a very kind doctor. You know, he's very... He's a psychologist, and he... But he doesn't act like, you know, one of them psychologists you see in the movies who's the bad guy. You know, he's like, right. he's like David, let's talk, you know. Yeah. And he they meet with Dr. Fisher, who tells him that David's has a horrible fear of death and that he associates Barnabas with death for whatever reason. It could be his shape. It could be the shadow he casts, you know, and comes up with some very, very good reasoning and thoughts that make complete sense to the family and makes complete sense to anyone who doesn't actually know what's going on with David. Right. He says he never got over the death of his mom. And Sarah is him making friends with death is mm-hmm. what the, is what the, it was brilliant, honestly, what, yeah. the, what the shrink had to say. Yeah. And, Roger, at this point, he makes an excellent point when Dr. Dr. Woodard and Burke come back from the old house and there was no coffin in the basement, you know, right. because David runs up there and says, there's a coffin. Go look. There's a coffin. Roger, you know, they come back and there's no coffin because Barnabas is very smart, you know, and, and he uses this to play into David's troubledness, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said that all little, bo- all little boys are frightened. This is what Roger's saying. All little boys are frightened. It's part of growing up. And then he said that he was a little boy growing up in the walls of Collinwood. Yeah. He said that he had been afraid of the portraits on the wall and the dark corners of the house, thinking that someone was going to leap out and get him or that the portraits were staring down with their eyes and that they hated him, you know. And we forget the fact that, yes, Roger is a grown man, but he was a small boy like David mm-hmm. living under the roof of Collinwood mm-hmm. and is probably experiencing a lot of what David experienced, you know, minus right. the vampire, of course, but... Collinwood's always had ghosts. Mm -hmm. Collinwood has had all of these ancestors hundreds of years old, you know. So 
Roger's been in the same predicament yeah. and, and been in David's shoes. I mean, maybe Roger obviously wasn't clairvoyant because he still don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> but, but yeah, that childlike fear. Roger didn't say it in the way that Roger was in these early episodes where he was just a jerk and David's just crazy. He's just like, I was a little boy at Collinwood too. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you guys are making a bigger thing out of this. You know, it's not that. David's going to grow out of this eventually, you know. Yeah. But after all that, and hearing that David fears Barnabas, Dr. Woodard has become very suspicious of Barnabas Mm -hmm. and is very um, inclined to believe what David says about the empty coffin in the old house basement. Mm -hmm. So he and Burke go down Mm -hmm. there, and, of course, there's no coffin again. This doesn't really altogether stop Dr. Woodard and Burke from suspecting Barnabas. And Dr. Woodard is a smart guy as well, you know, like Julia. Very smart. And he gets closer and closer closer to the truth let's not forget dr woodard was studying the blood samples before he gave them off to julia yeah he was so he was so you know, he's, he's not got completely a, he's got a clue too yeah he's not completely out of the loop here and the thing about dr woodard he would have kept studying the slides but quote unquote someone broke in and stole all the slides yeah so he couldn't continue to study them but dr woodard has seen yeah so you know he's he's like julia he's he's got a He's got this in the back of his mind that there's something that the clue is in the blood, you know, but he can't he can't further investigate the clue because it's now gone. So and as Dr. Woodard gets closer to the truth and starts investigating more and more and getting in David's good graces, Mm -hmm. David ends up breaking his promise to Sarah and shows Woodard and Burke the secret room in the mausoleum. However, when they get there, the door is fixed and the room won't open. Showing that David imagined yep. it all. Barnabas thought of everything. He really did. So. And there is something that I kind of want to mention here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it goes back to the Roger and David thing. And in the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how there was such great character development with Roger. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning, he was such a dirtbag and he had a secret and he was trying to conceal this secret. Mm-hmm. And at all costs, you know, up until now, Roger Collins hasn't been much of a father. And in, in fact, he's been quite a dirtbag, like we said. And he's questioned the possibility of David being Burke Devlin's child and for the most part didn't want anything to do with David. And they fought all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. And, I mean, David even tried to kill his father. That's the kind of relationship that they had. We've already talked about this. However, there was much change in Roger throughout the course of this show so far. Mm -hmm. Roger goes up to talk to David about disobeying him, about going to the old house. And the way that Roger talks to David in this scene is just so loving and very father-like and a complete 180 from the type of father that he was when the show started Mm -hmm. and I really I really enjoyed seeing that with Roger and David I really love that this relationship turned around and that Roger could actually begin to be a real and decent father to David it just it warmed my heart so Mm -hmm. I just I just want to throw that out there this is part of that very large character development that we get with Roger yeah so so this keeps going on for a while Dr. Woodard and Burke not Burke so much because Vicky's already told him to knock it off right so Dr. Woodard is the one who goes out and questions and it just keeps going and going Mm -hmm. he he talks to Maggie he talks to Julia, who he gets no answers from, and talks to David and straight up tells David, look, I believe you. I, I believe you're absolutely correct, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to help you. Sarah left her flute behind. Yeah. Gave it to David to, you know, to keep him company or whatever. It's just something that's like leaving her doll behind, mm-hmm. you know. 
And it isn't until Dr. Woodard sees the portrait of Barnabas after Dr. Fisher has already spoken with David that he gets the idea that this Barnabas in the portrait and the Barnabas that they know in the present day are the same person. Mm -hmm. And he goes back to the mausoleum and Sarah shows up. He goes back to the mausoleum to see if he can get this door open and wonders the why of the room instead of is there a room of course she doesn't give him any answers no she won't give up barnabas she won't do it and he goes to the caretaker asks about this journal that was kept by joshua collins because he remembers that the caretaker told them about joshua collins and he wrote about the family curse and why the mausoleum was cursed this was the last time they were at the cemetery i think Mm -hmm. and he comes to the conclusion that the original barnabas collins never left collinsport in the first place and he starts to get the idea that barnabas of the present time and the one from the past are one in the same and this is when he goes back to Collinwood and he talks to David and he tells David that he believes everything he says is true and he urges David not to tell anybody about their conversation or what he suspects and David in turn warns him to be very careful because he doesn't want anything to happen to him right and but he doesn't really heed the warning because right after this Dr. Woodard goes down to the old house to square off with Barnabas yeah like, he's not subtle about it at all. Like, he comes in, and Barnabas is like, can I take your coat? He's like, nope, I'm not going to be here that long, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he pretty much tells Barnabas, he's like, David's not un- is not mentally unhealthy. He's just not. Yeah. And he pretty much lays out all of his cards in front of Barnabas and even goes so far as to tell them that he met his little sister at the mausoleum. Yeah. And he makes it sound like Sarah gave him up by telling Dr. Woodard that Barnabas was her brother. Mm-hmm. But Sarah didn't. Sarah didn't even say anything like that. Yeah. He just wanted to he wanted to see if Barnabas would break and right. see if Barnabas would give himself up. You know, like we said up until this point, she's been very tight-lipped about Barnabas, and I have to believe that it's still because she loves her brother, even yeah. though she thoroughly disapproves of the way he's been acting and treating people. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like Dr. Woodard, he's been so brave up to this point. Yeah. Because if what he suspects about Barnabas is true, he knows his life is in danger. He mm-hmm. knows. And... He even went up to the old house and had a very frank conversation with Barnabas, knowing it could put his life in danger, and it does. Mm-hmm. He leaves the house as Julia's coming in, and he stops outside and listens at the window and hears everything that they say. <laughs> everything. Everything about Sarah, everything about Julia treating him, and everything. He hears that he hears Barnabas order Julia to take the notes that she made on the experiment and destroy them. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Woodard heard him, and after obtaining, he, he, he calls the farm where Julia got all of her medicine and obtains this record of medicine that Julia's ordered and has a conversation with it about her. And she was like, look, I'm treating him. He's got this rare blood disorder. Yeah, I'm treating him. Mm -hmm. He's a patient. But then he goes to Collinwood and retrieves her notes from her strongbox Mm -hmm. because he heard where she put it because he was listening at the window. (laughs) Yeah. And once Julia and Barnabas realizes that Dr. Woodard now has Julia's notes... Barnabas, of course, decides that Dr. Woodard needs to be dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> and the only way that Barnabas knows how to deal with people. <laughs> and he wants Julia to help him dispose of him. And he, he tells him, and Julia's like, I'm not doing that. And there's, he's, Dave's my friend. Yeah. You know, he's, he's my good friend. I've known him for a long time. They're, I'm not helping you kill him. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't try to kill him either. And instead of listening to her, he tells her that, you know, I could kill him in a really painful way. And, you know, make it a slow and and agonizing death. Mm -hmm. But Julia's like, look, I'm a doctor. I could give give an injection that would just make it look like a heart attack. And so she fills the syringe and gives it to Barnabas. And Barnabas is like, no, you're going to do it. And she's like, seriously? I just Mm -mm. told you I wouldn't. Mm -mm. And Julia goes first 
to Dr. Woodard's office and just he she pleads with him yeah. just to cooperate. He'll kill you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Just this is this is a, a, a serious medical breakthrough and besides all of that, he'll kill you. He he just will. Your your life is in danger. Just you need to cooperate. And he's like, No, I'm not gonna do that and, and he's got his coat on, he's getting ready to go to the sheriff's office to, mm-hmm. to tell everything he knows because he sat there and he read Julia's notes cover to cover he said yeah and so he knows everything he knows that barnabas is a vampire he knows that julia's been helping him he knows that barnabas kidnapped maggie he knows everything Mm -hmm. barnabas shows up the little bat through the window you know (laughs) and (laughs) 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 the little the little magic marker on the on the on the on the dry erase yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyways (laughs) and Barnabas shows up just as he's about to dial the police because Julia said, you'll never make it to the sheriff. He'll get you. He's out there. Yeah. And and he picks up the phone to call the sheriff. And at about that time, we get the, the marker on the dry erase board. <laughs> and then Barnabas shows up and tells, and tells Dave that he could do something worse than kill him. Yeah. And Dave says that he would rather be dead than be like Barnabas. And mm-hmm. tells Barnabas that if he does turn him into a vampire, he will find a way of destroying himself. And tells Barnabas that he should do the same. Yeah. Like you could just you could just find a way to destroy yourself. Yeah. And Barnabas ends up sticking him with the needle when Dave claims that he sees Sarah and tries to escape. Yeah. And he says this thing. He was like, you "Mock me for what I am, but leave my pain alone." You know. And it's just yeah. like, whoa. But yeah. So Doctor Woodard is dead. Uh, Sam Evans and the sheriff find him because just moments before Julia walked through the door, Sam came in and asked Doctor Woodard if he would write out another prescription for sleeping pills for Maggie because he had been doing that for her. Mm-hmm. And Dave did do it, and but he was acting all sorts of funny, and Sam is off at the bar having a drink. And the sheriff walks in and says, I'm looking for Dr. Woodard. He phoned me and said he wanted to talk with me, and now I can't find him. And Sam was like, man, he was acting all sorts of funny when I went to his office earlier. And he's like, have you checked his office? He's like, well, no, he's on call at the hospital. And the hospital says he isn't answering his any of his pages. And so they go to his office and bust the door down. And there's Dave sitting in his chair, you know, slumped over and he's dead. You know, looks like he just had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And Sam was like, who did it to him? You know, who did this? And, And the sheriff was like, what are you talking about? There's no signs of forced entry. He died. He just, he's just dead, you know? So after all of this, Julia is continuing the treatments with Barnabas, but she's very distracted, very, very um, consumed by the fact that Dave Woodard is now dead, and she had a hand in helping with it. Mm-hmm. And she even thinks she sees him on the terrace. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but this is one of those classic... <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is one of those classic Grayson Hall screaming moments, you know? Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> It's, yes, it's Dave. always it's always ah. funny to me. I don't I don't mean to laugh because it's not really funny, but <laughs> she is mostly adored. So. Oh, she's absolutely adored. I love Grayson Hall. It's just when she screams the way that she does, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> it's just funny to me. It's just the dramatics. So like, she takes it there. She does. She does. And, and and everyone who worked with her and everyone who has seen her says that every time she had a scene like this, she just acted the crap out of it. This mm-hmm. is this is what everybody says when they talk about Grayson Hall. When she had a dramatic moment like this, she put her all into it. Yeah. And but for me it's just 
it's just a little bit funny for me just just the way that she does it it just I love it so much and that's not to make fun of her by any means people I promise I, I love her so much and she she was a fantastic um, actor but um, so she's on the terrace and she thinks she sees Dave and she goes out for some air and Julia tells Barnabas that perhaps he doesn't have to continue on with these treatments and maybe there's a woman out there who will love him for exactly who he is and Barnabas thinks this is preposterous, you know, and, and Julie's like, well, it's not as far-fetched as you think, you know. Barnabas laughs her off and then tells her to speed up the treatment so that he can go after Vicky and be human and whatever. Yeah. So Vicky is dragging her feet on setting a date for her and Burke's wedding because she's so worried about David. And she tells Liz that she, she'll stay on as long as it takes yeah. to get David better. And Burke is always impatient. He's impatient about this, but he loves Vicky, so he's willing to wait. Right. In the last episode, we talked about Burke wanting to buy this Seaview property. Yeah. And goes to Liz, and, and Liz is like, yeah, there's no reason I shouldn't sell it to you. But Liz tells him that he's unable to sell it to him because of some weird addendum in the will by uh, Caleb Collins. And yeah. He, he was, you know, paranoid that, you know, he didn't even get married because he was worried a wife would steal from him, you know. <laughs> yeah. And But he made it impossible to sell it to anybody but a Collins for the next hundred years. And the hundred year span will be up in five years' time. And Liz told Burke that it would take that long for the lawyers to appeal that part of the will. Well, you know, Liz, if you just would have revealed that Vicky's your daughter, she, you could have sold your daughter Exactly. The thank you. Thank you, Victoria But anyways, <laughs> let's do it the hard way. Exactly. I absolutely agree. Exactly. <laughs> you could have given up that secret right there in passing, you know? I mean, why? Anyway, I'm not even going to go there. We've already done Vicky's Happy parentage. wedding day. Happy I'm wedding mommy. day. <laughs> have a house. Exactly. There you go. And she even told, she even told Burke, she was like, in five years time, when it can, when I can sell it to you, I'll just give it to you. It'll be my wedding present to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But instead, for the time being, she offers them the West Wing of Collinwood. You can redo it. It's its own separate independent quarters. You won't be bothered. Mm-hmm. And it, it'll be yours. Mm-hmm. Do it however you want. Yeah. And... Just until the sea property can be sold to the Seaview property can be sold to them. Yeah. And Burke is reluctant because Burke is reluctant about everything, especially to do with the Collinses, you know. Yeah. Because even though they're kind of all friends now, not really Roger. Roger still keeps his distance, but Liz and the rest of the family, you know, they're still pretty close. But there's still this little thing, it's like, well, it's still the Collinses, you know. Anyway. Yeah. But Vicky is so set on it. And because of David's deterioration, Burke is like, yeah, okay. In the scene before Burke tells Vicky that he's on board with moving into the West Wing, David comes down to tell him goodbye and that he appreciates everything that Burke has done for him and that he'll never forget him. And it sounds morbidly like David is saying goodbye. Yeah. The others try to reassure David that Burke is going to be back in a few days, but David told Carolyn earlier that something is going to happen. He wasn't sure of who or what, but there would be an accident and that no one would cause it, but it would make everyone sad for a while. And it seemed by the time Burke was ready to leave, David knew that it would be Burke and that Burke would be directly affected by this accident. Before we move on, I just want to say this kind of goes back to the character development also. There is a scene after Dr. Woodard dies that Carolyn goes in to see David in his room and she's very kind to him and talks to him as much as he will talk to her, you Mm -hmm. know, because he's not talking to much of anything or anybody right now. And she brings up Sarah and tells David about a friend that she had when she was a little girl named Randy. They used to collect sea glass, and she said to this day she's not sure if he was a real 
if he was real or if he was a ghost or just a figment of her imagination. Yeah. And it's made, it just made me happy to see the turnaround with David and Carolyn. In the beginning, Carolyn was very annoyed by David and called him a little monster. And a lot of these things have, have been because of David himself, you know. And David has changed, too, because of Vicky and because of, you know, things that have happened. And he was no longer out to cause everyone trouble or just because he was a spoiled brat. Yeah. And after Vicky came and definitely after his mother, David became a different child. So I just wanted to throw that out there, too. The relationship between Carolyn and David changed, too, and it was for the better, I think. Yeah. But like we were saying, after that weird goodbye to Bert with David and everything, you know, Burke and Vicky, they end up making the plans to renovate the West Wing and mm-hmm. make it their own. That's just just happens to be when Burke has to go off to on his South America trip mm-hmm. for business. Mm-hmm. And in the very, in the very next episode, Mrs. Johnson comes running in. She was listening to the radio and tells Liz that she heard the report that Burke's plane went down in the Amazon. Mm, yep. And Elizabeth is very quick to tell Mrs. Johnson not to jump to conclusions, obviously, mm-hmm. and not to worry anybody until they know for sure. And she immediately gets up to call the airline company only to find out what Mrs. Johnson had earlier said was confirmed. Yeah, she was like, you don't know any anything yet we weren't we're not going to worry until we have to and she immediately picks up that phone yeah and they're like yeah a plane went down it's like we still don't know we don't know if it was burks we just know that a plane went down that flight went down yeah a plane went down we don't know whose plane it was we don't know who was on it yeah yeah the company didn't have any details at the time who was on the plane but they would call later on with details and later on they do confirm that it was burks plane and it did go down over the jungle Mm. and I've mentioned before that, you know, Vicky didn't have many loves along the way. But when she did, each one ended tragically. Yeah. Each one. Yeah. And first, with Burke dying in the plane crash and his body was just burned beyond recognition, we find out later. Yeah. But then later on with Peter Bradford, you know, she, she fell in love with him and then she went back to the present. So she lost Peter Bradford, too. Yeah. And then we get just this little glimmer of hope when Jeff Clark comes along. And then that ends tragically, too. Mm -hmm. As soon as Barnabas finds out, he's just, he's so quick to comfort Vicky. Here I come, Vicky. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. this was a part of the reason why he wanted uh, Julia to speed up the treatments, because he sees it as an opportunity to get closer to Vicky. Yeah. And perhaps make her fall in love with him and get close. She's very vulnerable right now, so Barnabas sees this as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Julia is so jealous. She really is. (laughs) But she's so jealous of Vicky. Yeah. That... She hypnotizes Vicky several times and takes her to the old house to see Barnabas in his coffin and her coffin that Barnabas has had made for her mm-hmm. and Josette's room where she's supposed to live. Yeah. And But she, she hypnotizes her to forget everything that she's been told, forget everything that she sees, but keep it right in the yeah. back of her mind and yeah. her subconscious. Julia is so stinking smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've said it before, but my gosh, this was such a clever move on her part, even if it was devious and totally unnecessary. It was just, she hypnotizes her to, in her subconscious, that whenever she sees or thinks of Barnabas, she gets frightened and mm-hmm. she gets uneasy, but mm-hmm. she doesn't know why. Yeah. And Julia does speed up the treatments and it causes Barnabas to age to his rightful age. Now, we have to remember, it has been 170-some years since Barnabas was in the coffin, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that he's 170. He's 200 years old-ish, yeah. you yeah. know? And so he's just, he's this really old man, like, so old that nobody recognizes him. Mm-hmm. And he believes that if he has fresh blood again, then then it'll turn back the years and he'll be young again. Yeah. And Julia suggests that he bites Vicky. He's like, well, you're after her anyway. Why don't you just 
you know, you want her, this is the way to get her. And yeah. Barnabas Barnabas shows up in Vicky's room when he's an old man and prepares to sink his teeth in, but again, he doesn't. This is not the first time. Every time he is a, is getting ready to do it, he just can't. Yeah. And he keeps saying, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And the larger picture that should be represented here also presents the contrast between can't and won't. Yeah. The difference between the two is one involves a choice. I won't. While Barnabas stands over Vicky's bed while he's in his old man's state, he reiterates over and over, I can't, I can't. And mm-hmm. the question comes about, is it in his nature at all to grievously harm someone that he truly cares about? Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that the answer is no. I feel like this became more and more evident as the show went on. And later in the series, he was unable to harm both Julia and Willie, yeah. both of whom he had shown no restraint in harming earlier. You know, with Willie, he's ready to just let him die. Mm-hmm. Or you go kill him. If he if he comes alive, you're a doctor. Figure out how to kill him. Mm-hmm. And, and he's even had his hands around Julia's neck at a time or two. One. Once, more than once. He, yeah, yeah, so... But as the show progressed and he started caring about Julia, he started caring about Willie, he couldn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I think this applies here with Vicky, too. He was he was in love with Vicky. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll just go ahead and... He was in love with Vicky. He was humanly in love. Humanly in love with, with Vicky. Vicky. And not because she was like Josette. He loved Vicky because she was Vicky, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. this is that thing that we keep saying over and over you know, Barnabas fell in love with Vicky and eventually stopped trying to make her Josette. He mm-hmm. just, he fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I think he's more human than he realizes. Yeah. You know, first he's out to protect himself at all costs, even if it means that someone close to him dies and he's out to get whatever he wants and doesn't care who gets harmed in the process. Yeah. But even before he's cured of his curse, he realizes that there are some he cares for, yeah. you know. Going on in our story, so Carolyn has been curious and questioning whether or not David is mentally ill. Yeah. And Sarah acts actually shows up to Carolyn in her room and tells her that, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm a ghost, is what she tells Carolyn, Mm -hmm. which makes Carolyn think that David's telling the truth. Yeah. So long story short, Carolyn's asking questions. She's telling everybody, don't be so quick to send David away. I think think he might be telling the truth. Yeah, and that's kind of when she puts her big big sister slash big cousin, whatever. Her her, her big sister pants. (laughs) Yeah, and she kind of puts her wings around David and starts to protect him because she's like, Mm -hmm. I think he's on to something like I don't yes. think he's lying she's like because I even battled it with myself thinking he was maybe mentally ill but if he's mentally ill so am I yeah exactly so, it's like we can't both be yeah. you know crazy here yeah unfortunately it doesn't last very long because Carolyn eventually does show up at the old house yeah and she sees the coffin in the basement she's like holy crap everything he said was true everything mm-hmm. is true mm-hmm. and then the very old Barnabas emerges and bites her and yeah. he reverts to his younger self it's just instinct, I think, yeah. right now. Like, if he's getting ready to be found out, he's, it's just instinct and impulse. Just but Carolyn's a family member, so he doesn't kill her. No. He bites her instead, and he's fallen off the human wagon here, and he's ready for more blood, and at this point refuses any of Julia's help. And I don't think that I'm wrong, and I don't think that I'm alone in this, but I think it was very obvious that Julia was in love with Barnabas. Absolutely. Even Dave Woodard saw it before he started Mm -hmm. to figure out the whole story. Julia, you're in love with him. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> she he was like, well, why are you sticking around? You know, the case of Maggie's been solved. Willie's been shipped off the sanitary. What are you still doing here? Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I don't know, Dave. I'm just, you know, I'm still a historian. I can't just pack up and leave. He was like, I think it's I think it's Mr. Collins. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. she was like, he's an interesting man. He was like, I think it's more than that. He was like, Dave, I didn't say that I was in love with him. I didn't say that he was the reason I'm staying. And he just smirks at her and goes, you didn't have to, Julia. Mm-hmm. And just walks out of the room, just kind of giggles. I'm like, oh, you mm-hmm. know. And, and she kind of she kind of looks to herself and, you know, that, hmm, yeah, maybe look on her face, you know. Mm-hmm. She was so devoted to him, and Barnabas couldn't see it. Yeah. He was so hung up on Josette and Vicky becoming Josette and then just Vicky yeah. that he couldn't see that there was a woman standing right in front of him who knew what he was, knew everything that he did, and she loved him anyway. Yeah. And she even helped him kill her very good friend just to protect him. And she offered herself up to him when he was old and needed blood to turn back the years. Mm-hmm. Bite up me. In, yeah. Up until this point, he's called her Dr. Hoffman. Yeah. But when she offers herself to him, take my blood, I'm willing, you know? Yeah. And he is genuinely shocked and says, why, Julia? She was like, that's the first time you've ever called me that, you know? Mm-hmm. And he just, he flat out turns her down. Yeah. And because she's more useful to him as a doctor than as a woman. and. Mm-hmm. It breaks her heart, and you can Ouch. see it. Yeah, she's like, okay, you know what? I've got work to do. I'm going downstairs. And that's how the scene ends, and mm-hmm. he just kind of looks after her and, you know, still still shocked that she did this. And, and, okay, men, gentlemen, males of all kind, I'm terribly sorry, but this is very typical of you. <laughs> Y'all can't take a hint. <laughs> And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. After Barnabas learns from Carolyn that Julia has been hypnotizing Vicky and showing her Barnabas' secrets, he sets out to destroy Julia. Yeah. And Carolyn tells Barnabas that she won't help him kill Julia. She's like, look, Barnabas, I'll help you do anything else, but I won't help you take a human life. Same as Julia. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas tells her, just get the notebook. Just get the notebook. That's all I need because if I kill her and don't have the notebook, I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just get the notebook. And Julie is on to both of them and makes sure that neither of them can get a hold of this notebook. And he does this thing after he learns that she's hypnotized Vicky and wants to find her notebook, where he tries to make her think that he cares for her in, in the way that she cares for him. Mm-hmm. And it's all a facade. And it's just to force her to take her guard down so that he can destroy her. And it was so cruel. Ugh. It broke my heart for her, and it made me so angry at Barnabas and that he pretended to care for her when he really didn't. And Carolyn even said it under Barnabas's power. Barnabas, that was cruel that you made her think that you care for her. Yeah. She had just gone through that crap with Burke. Yes, exactly. She, that, that was so cruel. Exactly. I didn't even think of that. Yes. Yeah, but shortly before, she had just gone through that. Yes. Good, good, good outlook on Carolyn there. <laughs> yeah. So, but I don't think Julia really bought it. I don't think she did because she still was like, I got to hide this notebook. Yeah. And this is where Mr. Tony Peterson shows up (laughs) and demands to speak to Roger Collins. Now, Tony Peterson is an attorney who has been handling a lawsuit against the Collins cannery. Um, There was an employee who got injured at the plant and he's unable to work because of the accident. And, you know, Roger won't answer any of his phone calls. And Uh Tony's like, this is why I'm here. We need to talk. And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. And (laughs) Uh Tony was like, fine, I'm going back to Collinwood or Collinsport. And Julia, Carolyn and Julia are at each other's throats at this point. And Julia needs to get away. She's got her notebook in her hand. And she's like, hey, can I ride with you, please? (laughs) Yeah. 
and Carolyn was like, well, I can take you. He was like, it's not necessary. He's going. I'm going with him. And she just leaves <laughs> with mm-hmm. the notebook and goes with Tony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Julia gives it to Tony to keep sa- in his safe in his office. And she tells him he's not allowed to ask any questions and what's in the notebook or who wants to see it. Tony is very generous to her and very kind and keeps it safe and says there's a lock on the book. He's like, lock it up. That way when you see it, you don't have to worry that anybody's been in it. Yeah. After a lot of begging. Yes. From Julia. Please. Yes. He finally, yes. And he, she instructs him that if she dies, take that thing to the police. Real quick style, you know. Yeah. And Carolyn won't let it stand. She immediately shows up at, at Tony Peterson's office and she pretends to be interested and tries to get in on his good side and make him interested in her. Well, we all know she's working for Barnabas right now. Yeah, because at this point she tries to discredit Julia as much as she can. She tells Tony that she's unhappy and that she's paranoid and she thinks that people are just out to get her. Yeah. And Tony is very smart. He's a lawyer. He doesn't buy it. And at least not at first. And she eventually gets him to take her out and get her a drink. Yeah. And this is when that that weird scene that Barnabas does this kind of voodoo spell on v- on Julia and get uh, makes it seem like she's hearing voices and see Dave Woodard and basically does his best to drive her out of her mind. He can't kill her until he has her notebook. And Julia knows this. Yeah. And so he chooses to drive her crazy so that no one will believe her should she start talking about what she knows yeah and so while she's seeing some of dave's things and even seeing dave himself and hearing him she goes to maggie and asks if she can borrow sarah's doll yeah and maggie tells her well i don't have it anymore sarah you know it some it got lost some sarah has something and she then asks how she can contact sarah or find sarah this is the thing that the grown-ups keep asking how can i find her how can i talk to her and maggie says the same thing she's yeah. like i don't know she just she shows just shows up, up and you know, nobody knows because, again, Sarah chooses to show up who and when she wants to. Mm-hmm. And so Julia heads to the mausoleum because that's where she's buried and she feels like it's the most logical place for Sarah to show up. Yeah. And Sarah does show up, and but she's very angry with Julia. Yeah. Very angry because of what happened to Dr. Woodard. Mm-hmm. But Julia begs her to protect her and asks if she can trust Barnabas, but... Sarah refuses. She, again, she won't give up Barnabas. She disappears and Julia gets locked in the mausoleum for a short while. Not not very long at all, just a few minutes. And she hears sobbing and then she hears this hysterical cackling from inside the mausoleum and then she sees blood oozing from Sarah's tomb. Yeah. Now I can't figure out... If this was Barnabas's doing, or Sarah's, or Dr. Woodard's, it's just, it's very hard to tell. Yeah. Because Sarah's angry with her, but is Sarah the type to do, you know, to torture someone like this, you I know? I don't think so. And so it was very hard to tell who, who all of this was coming from. Yeah. And so once she gets out of the mausoleum, she goes back to Collinwood, and Carolyn informs her she's going to be alone in the house until Roger gets back, and we don't know when Roger's coming back. So Julia's, because yeah. Carolyn's like, it's just you and me, Mrs. Johnson's off, and uh, I'm leaving too, so that just leaves you here by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out. I'm not staying here. <laughs> so it just seems like the house torments Julia and is trying to drive her out of her mind. Yeah. There's a story overhead and the wind's blowing and it's cold in the house and the windows and doors are just blowing open and she tries to tell herself that it's just the wind yeah. and it's just trying she's just trying to keep herself from freaking out you know she's a shrink so she you know don't lose your mind julia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fire in the fireplace goes from this small little smoldering fire to a full-blown fire yeah. with big flames and she wonders is barnabas doing this is it dave but then the piano starts playing london bridge all by itself mm-hmm. and she sees a 
figure that's supposed to be Dave Woodard standing under the curtains of the big picture windows in the drawing room. And she's, (laughs) this is another one of those Grayson screens, Ah! and runs to her room. (laughs) And and the lights go out in her room. And her phone rings, and it's Dave's voice again. And the door is locked, and she's trapped in her room with herself and all of these things that are happening to her. And she's about ready to lose her mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know... (laughs) The, the, it seems like the power has gone out because the lights in her room don't work. and, and But the phone rings, and she's like, the power is out. Why is the phone ringing? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and eventually, Barnabas shows up, calm, cool, and collected, and asks her what's wrong and says that he came to check on her because Carolyn told her she was here by herself. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she was like, please stop. She was like, I'll go back to Wincliffe. I'll do whatever you want. Just please stop this. Yeah. <laughs> so back to Carolyn. She is attempting to steal the notebook back from Tony, and he catches her. You know, she she found out the combination to a safe, and she's in his safe trying to get it. Well, Tony moved it to his home instead of his office. Right. And she makes up some kind of story about Julia finding some info on Liz, and she's trying to blackmail her. Yeah. And this prompts Tony to tell Julia to take back her notebook. I don't want any part of this. And she convinces Tony to keep it and says that Carolyn is wrong, and she offers to write a letter saying that Tony can read whatever's in the book if something happens to Julia. Yeah. And this is about the point where David returns from Boston with Vicky and yeah. tries to talk to Julia, and she's distracted, and she Julia just she goes down to the old house. After she goes down to the old house, Sarah comes and, Welcome back, David. You know, mm-hmm. I missed you. And... He begins telling her about Boston, and Sarah was like, wow, it took me two whole days to get to Boston. I love Boston. And and Dave was like, it only took us, like, four or five hours. And she was like, well, I say it took two days. You know, just just little, you know, child banter, you know. Yeah. But then she stops dead in her tracks and looks around, and she goes, I have to go. And she's like, there's someone at the old house that needs me. And she just leaves. Mm -hmm. At the old house, Julia tells Barnabas that Carolyn failed in getting her notebook and that she spoke to Sarah at the mausoleum mm-hmm. and Barnabas this is one another one of those moments well she why did she show up to you and he he heads for the door tries to you know and and you know tries to go to the mausoleum and Julia stops and she's like you won't find her there yeah she won't talk to you and this just sets Barnabas off he charges at Julia puts his hands around her throat and mm-hmm. attempts to choke her and says that she's done enough and at this moment those doors to the old house fly open and the the chandelier above the head just swings wildly and Barnabas turns around, and there's Sarah. Mm-hmm. And she's walking up to him, and he's just got this look of elation on his face, and she's got this dark glare on her face. This little little girl with this dark glare on her face, and mm-hmm. she's pissed. She is so pissed. The look on her face is not one of joy to see her brother. He is, He's overjoyed that she's finally appeared to her, but she is angry. Yeah. He tells Sarah, I missed you so terribly. Why didn't you come to me sooner? And you know how much I wanted to see you. And But Barnabas is just convinced that everything's going to be okay because Sarah is here. Yeah. And this is all he's wanted. And she's like, Ang- I'm angry with you. I'm very angry with you. And, mm-hmm. and <sighs> Barnabas gets down on her level. You know, Barnabas is very tall and Sarah is just this little girl. Mm-hmm. He gets down to her level so he can look her right in the face. You know, he's like, what, what have I done? What have I done? And, well, you hurt people. Mm-hmm. I'm angry because you hurt people, Barnabas. And Barnabas is like, well, it's it's only been when when it was necessary, Sarah. Only when it was necessary. And she's like, no, that's not true. He's like, and, and you know it's not true, too, you know. And he said, okay, you know what, Sarah, I'm done. It's all over. Everything's going to be fine now as long as you're here with me, you mm-hmm. know. And 
And she goes, I know you're not done doing bad things. You know, it's like I said, Sarah, she died when she was nine. But this ghost of Sarah, she is very mature. Like she's grown up. She only looks to be like a little girl, but she's very smart. And she's got a lot of wisdom. And she's like, I know you're not done. And Barnabas is talking to her like he like she is his nine year old sister. Mm -hmm. And she brings up this rhyme that he taught her when they were both alive. And, you know, do you remember the rhyme you taught me? Say it, you know, and. And the, the rhyme that they said, evil is wicked, is well understood. The wicked are punished, so you must be good. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, she was like, you got to be good, Barnabas, or you're going to be punished. And he was like, fine, punish me. Just stay with me. Yeah. Uh, well, do whatever you want. Please just stay with me. Yeah. And she was like, nope, that's your punishment. I- I'm going to leave. And unless you stop doing these things, I'll, I'll never see you again. And he said, she says goodbye. Yeah. And that's your punishment. I'll never come back. Yeah. And... She disappears and London Bridge is heard <laughs> while Barnabas is pleading with her to stay. And he, I forbid you to leave. And, but she did. And you can just, you can see the heartbreak in Barnabas's face. Yeah. It's making me a little emotional. <laughs> but Julia tries to console him and tells him that she appeared to you, Barnabas. Whatever else happens, that's the important thing. It doesn't matter that you were very angry. She won't always be angry. But yeah. you have to listen to her, Barnabas, you know. And if you don't, what would you shouldn't? Which I can only assume means Vicky because <laughs> she tells him that she isn't jealous of Vicky, but Barnabas no longer wants to talk about it anymore and he just wants to be left alone yeah. and that she means very little to him. I think that kind of put Barnabas a little bit in a, in a dark place, you know, because Sarah finally showed up to him, but she said, this is it, I'm never coming back. And it broke my heart a little. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is where he and Julia become real enemies and you know he doesn't want to see julia anymore he doesn't really want to see much of anybody yeah and so this leads into our next story but we're going to save that for next week we've been talking for quite some time today Mm -hmm. um it was a lot of information to cover i'd say probably almost 30 episodes worth of info here yeah i mean this did go on for a little while so that's where we are dr woodard is dead and burt devlin is dead and sarah has made her final appearance her one and only appearance to barnabas yeah and she never comes back she never comes back not to barnabas i'm a little sad that sarah doesn't i I mean she shows up one other time before we get back to the past one other time yeah and we'll talk about that next week yeah that's for next week but tonight we'd like to just thank you all for sticking with us and giving us a listen and giving us a chance and letting us just geek out about dark shadows we love it so much it's Mm -hmm. it's uh, the highlight of our week (laughs) y'all and always thank you for the feedback yes thank Thank you so much and tell your friends (laughs) tell your other dark shadow friends we oh my gosh we got we got to stick together y'all let's keep this alive dark Mm -hmm. shadows won't die Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you guys know that we can find us on Facebook. You can send us an email at BetweenTheShadows2021.com. Um, we are newly now on YouTube. We are newly now on YouTube. Under Search Between the up. Shadows. Yep. All of our episodes are on YouTube now also. So yeah. um, we would love to hear from you. And Yeah. Until next week, guys, we'll just keep it between us and the shadows. Good night. Good night, everybody. No, I will not stay here. I will go away and never come back. Never. That will be your punishment. I know there's good in you, and I know there's evil, because I learned it from you. But you've forgotten it, Barnabas. You have to learn it all over again, and I'll never come back until you do. Goodbye, Barnabas.
You've been listening to Between the Shadows, a Dark Shadows podcast. All original Dark Shadows music, video clips, images, and media are the sole property of Dan Curtis Productions and is only used to promote Dark Shadows and should not be distributed, copied, or reproduced.